Welcome to Just the Tip-Off. This is the 14th-ranked podcast in the Western Conference. Still better than the Suns. I'm Sam Hyde. Mason Round. Nathan Worms. And who isn't better than the Suns? <laughs> Hard to say these days. Honestly, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. But, yeah. I agree. Uh, I mean, they, they, they looked kind of good last night for the first half, and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, this isn't how this goes. We're <laughs> playing the Warriors. We're supposed to lose by 26. And they, they, they held up their end. They, they did it. They did it. Uh, and Curry says the rivalry's over. It is. You want to know how I know the rivalry's over? When I watch Golden State uh, Warriors games, I not often, but sometimes find myself rooting for them. Like, they go on a run, and I'm like, hey, like this is good basketball. Good Lord, that's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if they can hit 150. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to say I'm rooting for them, but I, like, watching them score doesn't upset me anymore. <laughs> Not actively, at least. <laughs> uh, well, the bandwagon to take you to California is right outside, Sam. <laughs> Just hop right on there. Uh, I don't want him to win the championship. Calm down. I mean, the, the name of our fantasy league is just not the Warriors. So, yeah. Yeah. it's kind of how we feel about it. But <laughs> getting there could be still, still could be fun. So, um, what, what do we have on tap for today, boys? Um, So, we're going to continue a segment we started last week where oh, we yeah, ra- yeah. rank players. So, I believe we did the one guard. And if my math is right, I think that means we're on to the two guard, right? If anyone oh, wants to check check me there. I don't know about that. Uh, all right, checks out. Yep, yep, yep that's yep. correct. So, right. those engineering degrees at work. <laughs> moving on to our shooting top ten list of the shooting guards. Now, we did. I expanded a little bit on the stats that I pulled. From last week. Last week we just did points, rebounds, and assists. This week, to appease some uh, hotter tempers, I went uh, with points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, turnovers, and games played just for a little panache. One of our fans uh, really, really got vocal. I would say, and really yelled at Mason for not including stats last week. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure who it was. Less than an anonymous tip. Uh huh. Something like that. Right outside my bedroom. Um, but so let's get right into it. So number one overall, kind of like last week, not much of a debate here. James Harden. Jordan, Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> no, yes. no. Shit. We got uh, James. James the Beard Harden. Yeah, reigning MVP, still playing MVP caliber. His team's not doing too hot around him, but that's not his fault. It really is. No, that's the fact that they play six guys, seven yeah. guys. They just they just waved uh, another player, too. Oh they, uh, they had Eddie House, who was playing like 20 minutes a game for him. They just waved him. So. <laughs> He's playing that many minutes. But, but let, let's talk about the fact that the Rockets are in a spot where Eddie House is playing 20 minutes a game for them. Yeah. Like shouldn't have to happen. You, no NBA team should be in a spot where Eddie House plays twenty minutes for you. Yeah, that's like real workhorse minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's coming off the bench. We need you, kind of shit. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess they don't need him. But yeah. uh, anyway, so just for um, anybody who's curious, James Harden is averaging thirty at this point right now. He's averaging thirty point six points per game, five point six rebounds per game, eight point seven assists, two point three steals. Um, so those points, assists, and steals are the highest in his uh, uh, amongst shooting guards. So he's uh, he's putting a, putting the work in, and he's showing us why he, he's number one. So no surprise there. But uh, this next one is a little bit interesting. So I have an asterisk next to his name because I averaged his stats because he's played 10 games with one team and 11 games now with another. So uh, this is Jimmy Butler who I'm talking about. He's played a total of 21 games this year. Uh, his points, he's about 20.6, 5.2 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 
Uh, his real numbers that shine are his field goal percentage and his three-point percentage and his turnovers. He averages the, late, the least amount of turnovers amongst shooting guards, um, and he has the highest field goal percentage and three-point percentage amongst shooting guards. So I thought that was pretty deserving. He may not be sh- scoring the most points. Uh, he's actually only doing about 20.6, but you know, it's I think for how many shots he's taken – He's making more than he's yeah. missing. Yeah, so he's got he's got incredible efficiency, and especially now he's on a team where like he doesn't need to be have the ball every play, and so they're just turning to him like down the stretch and in clutch moments. Clutch which is moments, exactly man. What they, he needs to be doing, and also it's hard to show up on the stat sheets there because um, a lot of the ways he plays, he is averaging two point two steals, which is phenomenal. Point eight blocks, which is pretty good. Also good, but like. He also like plays a lot of tough defense and uh, yeah. like forces his opponents into a lot of low percentage shots. Mm-hmm. Great two way player. Yeah, he. Um, I'm I'm gonna put that asterisk next to him because he's actually playing the three now. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. I'm I, I, on his team. I'm saying that JJ Reddick's a shooting guard and he's playing the three. But that's fair. That's yeah, fair. On the but, site that I looked at, it had him at the. Yeah, he's on the team where Ben Simmons. He's on the team where Ben Simmons is the point guard. Yeah. So really, the positions, only, don't the only thing, re- positions don't really matter. The only thing solid about Philadelphia is that Embiid is the five, and everyone else just kind of is around. They're, 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 around, they're around him. They're they're around. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing solid about Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on to number three. Uh, we've got DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, having a breakout year. I'd say he's having a pretty good year. I think he can do more. I think he can do more. I, I, I like where he's at. He's at number three right now. But for the Spurs' sake, I think he has to do more. He's got to. Like they're, they're, they're second. They're second worst in the West right now. Which how and a very, is very very clustered right, West. I, I'm, still, I'm gonna but I'm gonna bring up something. I really hate to do this, but I have mathematical proof that I personally think indicates Pop's doing something wrong, which I don't didn't till right now think was possible. But right now, the um, San Antonio Spurs are 30th in the league for percentage of shots at the basket and at three-point, which are the shots you want. And they're first in the league in mid-range and long mid-range, which means that they're, and part of it is they have LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, and that's their game, but that's where a coach needs to like force out of that because if you end up being the team that only takes mid-ranges and doesn't take threes to get the more points or at the rim to get higher percentages, that's how you end up the second-worst team in the Western Conference with all that talent. And God damn it, Popovich. I, I know I am – I worship at the altar of Popovich. I think he's a, a fantastic coach. But, like, looking at these advanced stats, he's fucking up this season. I don't know if you – I don't know if I agree with that because I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm of the mind don't – if you – Go with what works. What your guys can do, what they can shoot, let them shoot that and build the offense around that. Now, we're in a league today where three points are huge mm-hmm. and around the basket is high percentage, as we know. But if you've got guys who could shoot from mid-range and they shoot at a higher percentage of if they're going to shoot it at a three-point range, DeMar DeRozan is shooting point. He's shooting 17% from the three. Yeah, That is abysmal. Yeah. That is the worst among shooting guards. And if he can't shoot a three, don't make him shoot a three. You know, I mean, he needs to work on it, I'll, I'll say, but that's what practice is for. Yeah. So, But they've got plenty of three-point shooters on that team. They're also a little bit hurt, too. Yeah, the, and, and they're hurt, and that might be part of it. But well, it, I think I think if they were sixth in the West, seventh in the West, I'd agree with you. Yeah. But we just said it, they're second to last in the West, and that's not a big separation. There's, the West is was like four and a half, five yeah, games. Yeah, but... Yeah, I think Still, it's, six it's one and of those and a half things from you, one to four, one to thirteen. Okay. You, you, like you need to 
you need to be in the playoff picture for me to think that you're doing something right. And it's the West, and it's hard, and they might end up there. But Popovich, like these are the these are the glaring numbers to me that you guys are currently taking the worst shooting scheme of any team in the NBA. So maybe it's the Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge need to be taking less shots. Yeah. Or, so we can or, give it to or, the guys who shoot better at the uh, the three. Yeah. Or they need to be using their gravity to open up shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of things they could do. But I've got him at the three. I think he needs to go higher if they want to succeed as a as a team. Um, but we'll see. Uh, another person who's high on the list who has a shit team around him, uh, Zach Levine. He's number four I got. Um, having a great year. It makes me so happy to see him do well with these numbers after coming off an ACL injury. Um, 24.5 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, 4.9 assists. So all really solid numbers. Um, his three-point percentage is uh, he's doing about 30 31%. Um, he's got about 3.8 turnovers a game, which is like the second – third highest among shooting guards. So if he can lessen that a little bit, increase his three-point percentage. I mean, I, I get why it's it's not as high. He's not necessarily built for that. He does more dunks. He does more mid-range stuff, yeah. which is fine. Um, but if you're going to do that, just get a few more points. He, he was having some seriously good 30-point, a stretch of 30-point games. He's get back to that. I don't want to get too far into it, but I will be touching back on Zach Levine later in this podcast. Okay. All right, he's got some more stuff coming at you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess Zach, what do you think? What do you think about that position for him, uh, Nathan? Um, I, think, I think that sounds about right with the ones in front of him. With the ones in front of him. All right, yeah. we'll see. Go I on. said that I, to me, there, there's two more names which we're going to get to, which I think are probably fairly close to him, and I'm guessing one of them is next: Bradley Beal and Clay Thompson. Mm. The next two, they Devin to me they Booker, seem like sir. Devin Booker. Yeah, D Book. See, now, he's on my fantasy team, so I know him pretty well. His issue is his games played this yes. year. Oh, he's my 19, God, he's killing me. 19 games played, and the most right now is uh, Clay with 26. Um, and he's killing me. So He's missing. So, it's seemingly missing every other game. So I, I like Devin Booker a lot. I think he's a really good player. I think he has some maturity things he needs to grow into. One thing, it doesn't really show up on a stat sheet, but I when I watch Suns games – Devin Booker has to be, like, when it comes down to the stretch of the fourth quarter, Devin Booker feels like he has to be taking these shots, and he's he misses a lot of threes in the fourth quarter. He makes some, but he, he make, misses he, a lot. He, he misses a lot. When, and when he has other players open, too, but, like, I think he's so used to being the only functional member of that team, and that's not even the case anymore. He, he doesn't have a great team around him, but he's got other people. DeAndre Ayton, great center. He has um, Trevor Ariza. Season veteran can make big shots. Josh he, Jackson. Josh Jackson is there, who's starting to have a good season. TJ uh, Warren. TJ Warren's having a great season. Great season. Um, Anybody want to guess Devin Booker's three point percentage so far? Thirty four percent. I was going to say around like 31 one percent. Devin Booker, I feel like he, he that's he is a victim of taking too many fourth kind, quarter he's kind shots. Of a that's just he's trying to, and I get it. You're last place in the West, so fuck yeah. it. Why not? But but. Don't that's that's contributing to it. Yeah. So I mean, he just signed his max contract. So he doesn't really have anything to worry about. So yeah. it's fine. But you got to start making a man. Mm-hmm. So also, if you want that super team to come to you, you need to show that you can be a teammate. Yeah. Big time. Big time. So yeah. Devin Booker, number five. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how he fares. Uh, after that, might be some contention with this next pick. But there's there's a reason for it. Victor Oladipo. Great I have year. him next. Great year. 
okay year. He's played 16 games. Yeah, aside from he's, one, he's, one he's play, it, I'm, I'm going to say injury. Like, it's definitely something to consider in the ranking, but injury is beyond his power. Right. He didn't choose to get injured. No, of course not. That's why he's, he... I mean, he's high. If I were to factor into the games played, I, I just kind of put the games played over there just so yeah. I could see. Um, but he'd probably be a little bit lower if we factor that in because he's yeah. got to be there for for them to, to really shine. Like, they're doing fine. They're doing okay. Yeah, the team's performing very well without him, which was promising signs for them. It's a good mm-hmm. sign, but it's, uh, you start to f- kind of wonder if it's going to be the Rocket situation where they start to run out of guys who are like, all right, I've put, put in my time. I can't produce yeah. anymore and you need him to come back so yeah. that's that's a possibility but we, get, we also have plenty of time before playoffs so like plenty yeah, time. Not, plenty i'm really time. not worried about that yeah. yeah um after that bradley beal yep uh doing pretty well this year 22 and point four uh four and a half four and a half on rebounds and assists uh he's got the most blocks of anybody among shooting guards 1.1 per game yeah, that's right that's outstanding for a shooting guard and he's got one steal per game which is yeah. about middle of the pack for uh for shooting guards his uh field goal percentage is about 44 percent it's not bad three point percentage is about 34 and a half that's good so you know it's not bad no it's special but he also oh i'm sorry i was reading victor's that he's 32 and a half okay that's not great but his field goal percentage is 47 okay so he's gonna get into the rim. Yeah, I, I feel like I want you kind of thought he might be more of a three point threat. I, I would threat. his percentage is higher, but I, um, I wonder how much of that is because he takes because he's a three point shooter. People can test him on his shots. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, that's not that's not a great excuse, but it is what it is. Yeah, um, unfortunately, he turns the ball over a little bit too much. Two and a half uh, turnovers per game. Okay. So. Got to get better that, on that. Is that the worst among shooting guards? No, no. The worst is James Harden at 5.8. Yeah, that makes sense. He's, pretty, he's probably – honestly, he probably has the most turnovers anyone in the NBA. He did a couple seasons ago at least. Most turnovers, but he, he came back with having the most assist on this game yeah. as well. Or among shooting guards yeah. as well. So, give and take. Um, also, a lot of them are when he's trying to draw fouls. Yeah, he does unbelievably. He does it really well. I should have. I, that'll be the next, uh, next <laughs> the next uh, category I bring it yeah. in. Like, how many fouls can you draw? Um, okay, so moving right along. Uh, after Bradley Beal, we've got number eight, Clay Thompson, finally coming in. Um, he started off slow this season, which I think is the reason why he's that low. He's coming in higher. Um, also, he is just the victim of certain. He doesn't take. He doesn't have the the role thrust on him as much as yeah. he needs to to succeed. He needs to be the number two he, to he, Steph's one. He, he, he's a bulk scorer versus like a big moment scorer. Yeah, he's great when he gets into a rhythm. Um, I think it was last yeah last night against the Cavaliers. He could not make anything in the first half. Yeah. He was so cold, and then he just kept shooting. And finally, shot his way out of it and mm-hmm. ended up with okay numbers. But um, his, percent, his shooting percentage had to be pretty pretty bad. Also, he's uh, the lowest assists among uh, shooting guards. So I don't know what that kind of makes sense. He's a three-point specialist, yeah. so he's, he's spotting up a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially on the Warriors team, too. He definitely spots up more than any other shooting guard just because of every, just the way the Warriors play ball. I, I, was just say, I was just seeing on my feet today when he had that game two years ago with uh, 60 points. He took 11 dribbles that game. He scored 60 points on 11 dribbles. And you know what I bet every dribble was? Catch. Dribble. Defender's coming at you. 
Sidestep. Pump, pump fake, dribble, sidestep, shot. I bet those were all 11 of his dribbles. Right. Oh, my God. He just uh, – I think it was uh, this but, year. All right. Let me put you this way. Even if he only took one dribble per three-pointer, that's only 33 points, and he scored 60. Yeah. <laughs> this, this year, when he scored his 50-pointer, he took 55 dribbles. Now, he took a little bit more than his 11. Yeah. Um, but to put this in perspective, Derrick Rose also got a 50-point game, took 400 – over 400 dribbles. Yeah. Derrick Rose is also bringing the ball up the court too. Of so. course, of course. Yeah. No, there's a lot of things to consider, but like he, I, I'd say he's probably the most efficient player as far as scoring per time touching the basketball. Yes, the man <laughs> when he's touching the ball, he's doing pretty. He's doing good things. You're in a yeah. good spot, and he's shooting a field goal percentage of forty five point five. And three point percentage of thirty five percent. So, which it, part of that? It, I think that's going to go up too because he started so cold. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's both. All of his numbers have been on the rise. Um, and he's played the most. He's played every game, so he yeah. hasn't taken any days off. Uh, after that, number nine is CJ McCollum. He's doing fine. I think that's a word to describe the Blazers right now. They're doing fine. fine. They're not blown. They're not being flashy. They started off strong. They've kind of struggled here. They're doing fine. Well, yeah. I, think, I think they'll be a playoff team. <clears throat> what I could totally see happening is. Um, CJ getting traded to maybe like bring in Bradley Beal or try to get somebody else to shake it up because they've I, had him for many years yeah, and they haven't gone anywhere. I think McCollum for Beal, like be a sidestep if anything. Yeah, I, I don't think they'd do that because it doesn't really change anything on your team other than it just switches like, it up. It mixes yeah. it up a little bit. Maybe it gives you that push you need. It's a risk. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I also think I think both teams will be happy to get the other player. Yeah. Yeah, I we'll think both teams are looking to shake it up or. Uh, maybe Portland puts another package together that gets them Bradley without having to give up CJ. Yeah, you know that's a, that's a possibility <laughs> since they're both on the block. But you never know. Th- never know. Well, it always seems the Lakers are in every <laughs> yeah. in every trade talk to try to put pieces around, around LeBron. You never know if they're yeah, willing they to it. deal some yeah. deal some players, some of the young guys. You never know what packages could arise gonna, there. I think they're going to deal Brandon Ingram. I think all the stats indicate that Brandon Ingram isn't a good player for a person on LeBron team and. Since that, since those stats have come forward, they've been boosting his numbers too. So they're just trying to make him look good. Trying to make trade the trade value. Yeah. I think if they were smart, they'd put him off the bench, bring KCP on to the starting five. Now, the only reason because KCP is a shooter and Brandon Ingram's a driver, so yeah. flip flop their their roles, and you'd be doing no. way better. But the ego wouldn't work. Well, it just, and, it's never gonna happen. And I think that's that might be uh, like what they do in the playoffs. But right now, I think they're intentionally yeah. overplaying Brandon yeah. Ingram to boost his trade. Well, value. he just rolled his ankle in the first quarter of last game and missed the entire a- Ingram or second. KCP? Ingram, okay, yeah, and missed right. thir- second quarter on. So right. that's gonna. Obviously, you can't trade a player when they're injured, but um, yeah, but hopefully it's, it's just a roll. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. what it was, just a sprained ankle. So. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll finish this guy out. Number ten, Donovan Mitchell. Um, Donovan for he's a second, having kind of a slow year for a second year player. He's doing fine, but again, we were expecting him to come off like he was in the playoffs last year, hot. Yeah, and he's had a- some games where he's bricked a lot of shots. It's also sort of the Jazz's mo to just sort of coast like do eh, in the beginning and then pick it up like around midseason yeah mm-hmm. pick their time to peak um he's yeah. averaging the lowest in rebounds um his shooting percentage field goal percentage isn't bad 42 oh, pretty much 43 percent from the field his three-point percentage it's not great 29.8 so basically 30 mm-hmm. but 
That's not good for him. For being your role on the team, that's not good. Yeah. No. So well, luckily, he's on a team with one of the best shooters in the NBA. <laughs> Jingles. Go fucking Ingles, baby. You know it. So a uh, couple honorable mentions. Um, we got Chris Middleton, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Richardson, and Lou Williams. You know, Lou Williams comes off the bench, so his numbers aren't where they should be to be on this list, but. He uh, he's a clutch man who puts the ball in the basket in, the, in those clutch moments. So mm-hmm. you got to give him a little respect. All having all having good seasons. Yeah, Middleton, Hardaway, and Richardson, all three of them. Um, you didn't expect to see them do this well from last year to this year, but you were hoping for it, and they're doing. They're going to be all stars in the next couple of years, hopefully. So. Yep. That's uh, that's where we're at. So, I think that went a little bit better than last yeah. week. We put yeah. a few, put a few more stats in there. Yeah, makes everybody it, it, happy. It was really some fl- good fleshed out research. <laughs> you can cite your sources, but I'll let it go. All right, all right. It's uh, Dude, my... it's in the bibliography. <laughs> it's an MLA format. APA, bro. Oh, you hippie. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on to our next segment. Um. There's one when I think of players in the NBA who start talking and really do themselves a disservice. The first person I think of is the burner account master himself, Kevin Durant. Dude. Kevin Durant. Like, here's the thing: is I'm not gonna say <laughs> your fan thirty five sweets. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna say I like him. I respect the hell out of him. I think he's a great basketball player. And I think if he were to just stop getting involved in all this shit, he'd be such a more likable guy. But ever since like. Ever since he went to the Warriors and the Twitterverse blew up on him, I feel like he keeps on trying to think he can talk his way out of being a villain. Yo, guys, listen, listen, yeah. listen. I'm not if a you bad just guy. sit down and listen to what I have to say, <laughs> and I, I, I'm telling Kevin Durant, just stop. There's nothing yeah. you can say. There's nothing. There's literally like, short of like, oh hey, uh, some man told me that he would cure my mom's cancer if I went on this team. Short of that, there's nothing you can do to convince me that it wasn't a soft move. Yeah, like soft. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. No, and you got your rings, and you did what you want, and like you're your own person. You don't have to explain yourself to me. But when you do, you come off like a bitch. (laughs) He's so bad. I just like, yeah, goodness. And when he's talking to the fans, like, shut up and watch the fucking game. Like, yeah, dude, you gotta stop caring. Gotta just stop block that shit out. Mm -hmm. People are gonna say anything to get inside your head. Yeah, doesn't seem like it's affecting your gameplay, but um, just you know. Block out the haters, man. Uh, so this is all stemming from uh, so, Kevin Durant's most recent comments. Yeah, and about so Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant recently, the way he started talking was talking about LeBron, and I don't really know. Like, I don't, it's hard to really say like what he was hoping to accomplish or anything. But so like he was talking about playing with LeBron, and so um, he, he starts off by saying that to play with LeBron, or so the conversation started with. with Potential of him playing for LeBron in the Lakers. And I'm pretty sure with this interview, he burned that bridge. And I think that's fine. I don't think he'll ever want to play with LeBron because I think he feels like he's in LeBron's shadow and being on the same team would only reinforce that. Mm-hmm. Um, his first thing his first thing he said is something along the lines of, uh, LeBron needs players who don't like to have the ball in their hand. And he cited Kyle Korver. And then he said, players like Kawhi, who like to control the tempo, would never want to be on LeBron's team because of how much LeBron needs to have the ball in his hand on offense <clears throat> to... Uh, like run the offense. Now, I'm going to point out that this year LeBron's usage rate is 30.8%. That's a lot. That means of all plays, LeBron is doing 30.8 of them. That's a lot. Yeah. Kevin Durant is doing 31.7. So that's more. Is that pot calling the kettle. That black? is more. And also, 
Kevin Durant's on a team with more talent and guys who should be having the ball more. And I get Steph's been hurt, but Clay's there. Draymond's there. Not now. Uh, yeah, not now. You're right, and he's driving Draymond off the team, really. Maybe, maybe Draymond's driving him off the team, but there's beef between them. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Atlanta's making sure they remember that. That's, that uh, I, I love Atlanta fans. Um, yeah, so KD said that LeBron's team, his team, make, he makes the environment toxic, that the hype that and attention that he brings can be toxic to young players because LeBron likes to play with seasoned vets, as you said. And then Katie mentioned, look at the players he's played with who have the, who've had to alter their style of play, both Chris Bosch and Kevin Love, both really incorporated the three-point shot into their game once they started playing with LeBron. And Durant's point was that it's tough on young players who are just trying to develop in general to play with LeBron, and he thinks that that's a toxic environment can for you, other players okay, unless you, you're okay, me, already let's, established. Let's see that's here, what Durant's saying. So, I, Kevin, I see where you're coming from, but let me put it in a more positive spin, if you will. He, LeBron is forcing the younger players to develop into more all-around players like himself. So... Yeah, it's hard, and maybe it's not going to go as, as well as he wants, but isn't it the the effort that you're trying to – you want these players to get better? Yeah. Right? Is, and, and, and furthermore, he's talking about, um, like, how these players – how Kevin Love and Chris Bosh had, uh, like, changed their game. Chris Bosh is hard because, um, like, he had medical issues after, so it's hard to really say. But do you think Kevin Love's a better or worse player than he was when he came to the Cavs? Also hard to tell right now. Oh, uh, from, from when he went to the Cavs? From when he came to the Cavs, because then he changed his game. <clears throat> I personally think he's a better player. He shoots better. He gets he well, I think, monster boards. Did he make the All-Star oh, oh, game at the Timberwolves? Yeah. yeah. Overall, he is a better player. Um, he's a diff- very different player. He was kind of a, a bruiser on the inside, because yeah. he was bigger when he came out of college. And, and he still can do that. He can still do that, but he's more finesse now. Absolutely. He's got to be. Uh, he stretches the floor Thank- so well. I was going to say, thankfully, he knows how to do that now because the older you get, you can't be that bruiser. He's no. very injury prone, yeah. as much as I hate to say it. So if he's mm-hmm. trying to go in and bruise like that, he's going to get bruised. Yeah. So thank goodness he changed his game so he can incorporate a three ball. But like I get it. The, the attention can be very difficult to cope with because you're on a LeBron team and it might make you feel like you have more – uh, the spotlight on you, and you have to perform, and you can't do that under pressure. I get it, guys. I get it. But can, but can you think of a player in the NBA who has brought non-basketball-related things to the team to draw attention to that team when people are no longer talking about the basketball but the drama on the team? Like, who in the NBA fits that mold? Maybe a player... Only LeBron. Only LeBron. Maybe a player who gets in trouble for having burner accounts to talk shit about his old teammates. Maybe a player who currently... who got another player on his team suspended because they're having beef in the locker room. Maybe a player who it currently has an NBA podcast talking about how he's talking shit about LeBron when he's clearly no better. Like, and... You know what Kevin Durant's come out and said before that he hates the his words blog boys who have never really played NBA basketball who just come out and talk shit about all the uh, about the NBA not really understanding it and here we are like he's right I've never played NBA basketball I watch it I think I have a good understanding but like you maybe you're right maybe I do have no right to say anything about it but if he really wanted me not to talk about 
his uh, his basketball and his off court antics, he'd stop giving me so much fucking ammunition. <laughs> like, also, I was gonna say it seems interesting because she's on the other foot and he's coming on a podcast. I thought that was our thing, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. How dare you go on a podcast when you've never professionally podcasted in your life? You court boy, <laughs> court boy. <laughs> we don't, we don't go into your realm of business. I, I, don't worry, don't worry. It was like. With an eye, so it's cool. <laughs> so, I mean, whether you like him or hate him, it, he's got some points about and he's the, so the, good. the hype he brings, or the hype that LeBron brings. Yeah, that, that is certainly the thing. And with him in LA, like, you're already in, arguably, a, a top three, if not the biggest market in the NBA, in LA, yeah. the Lakers, already. So there's already, I mean, the Showtime Lakers, right? Yeah. Like, the spotlight is already on them. And obviously adding the best player in the world increases that but these young guys <clears throat> they already know it. they've been there a year right they know that the spotlight is on them they're the young guys and that were all the hype with like having Lonzo Ball they had all that stuff last year it's not that it's necessarily new it's certainly elevated from last year but this isn't an overly new concept would you, yeah would you say it's new from when they had Kobe would you say no. it's new? It seems like a very you're if you're going to LA that's one of the things that you need to you need to be accepted of <laughs> Um, you're gonna be in Hollywood. So these are the freaking the stars are coming out. This is just the Lakers. People man. pay a thousand dollars to have not that good a seat at these games. Sure. Yeah, I mean you've you've got celebrities courtside. Yeah, every game. And, and uh, frankly, if you look at the, he's talking about how he's hurting these players' development. If you look at the numbers, like the only player who plays worse when LeBron's on the court than not on the court is Brandon Ingram, and that's frankly just because Brandon Ingram and LeBron are too similar of players. Mm-hmm. And there's no fault of that. That. Like when you look at Brandon Ingram, here's what's gonna here's what I think is gonna happen to Brandon Ingram and like, oh man, LeBron really fucked him on this. I think that they're gonna give him a lot of playing time to boost his stats, to boost his trade value, to put him on a team where he's gonna be like the number one. He's gonna be the LeBron, LeBron of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh man How dare he? LeBron's just really doing a number on his career. Like toxic man, God, it's toxic. toxic, especially those burner accounts. Uh huh. Yeah. Definitely not dissenting on the uh, the the trust of your teammates, guys. guys definitely not. Um, and at Warriors fan thirty five, um, you are welcome to come at me with any comments you want. I know you're not Kevin Durant, but follow me on Twitter at Sam uh, at s hide three three zero. So please come at me with any comments you want. Any of these non Kevin Durant accounts? Yeah, yeah. Or Kevin Durant, if you want to uh, at me on your real account, that'd be cool too. But I know that's a lot to ask. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right, our next topic. Um, bringing it up once more, Markel Fultz is in the news. Um, so this one's interesting. Th- this one is so he the report came on ESPN that he has neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, right? So right, you're, we're, 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 we're here with an EMT. So, Dr. Worms. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Uh, so what, what neurogenic thoracic alloc syndrome is, is it's compression of your brachial plexus. Now, your brachial plexus is a branch of nerves that comes off your spinal cord and into your shoulder, arm, and whatnot, and compression of it. So that is getting pinched off and squeezed, which can cause pain, neuropathy, um, just like... I know what neuropathy is, but Mason's looking pretty confused over here. So if you could explain to Mason what the word neuropathy means, I think he'd really appreciate it. It's totally uh, right. it's it's like it's it's you know when you hit your funny bone real hard, yeah, 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 yeah. kind neuropathy? kind. 
It's kind of that like pain and tingling. It's just constant that. Okay. Uh, very common in diabetic people. Um, so it, that is that is pain in his shoulder, possibly even out of his elbow and his arm. Now, the da they they did a um they interviewed a doc at Stanford, um who as treats this this syndrome in college and professional athletes, and I was very interested to hear what he had to say, and he said. He's treated all sorts of collegiate patients, both collegiate and professionally, with this with this uh, issue. Weight, wide variety of sports, including swimming and diving, water polo, rowing, volleyball, tennis, lacrosse, football, softball, and of course baseball. But not once has he had a case of this with basketball. Really? He then goes on to say, obviously, it, different situations can arise, and maybe it did. But not gonna lie, it just kind of like. Is this all in his head? And it also seems like incredibly convenient timing. Well, there was also a report came out that it was kind of hushed was that he got in a motorcycle accident. So I didn't hear that. Yeah, they really kept it on a, on the low. Yeah. Um. So if he got in a motorcycle accident, that sounds completely plausible that he has an issue like this now. Yeah, exactly. It's, if if that's what it stems from, then then that might be it, and then maybe they actually find a thing. But it it seems like people are almost hoping for it to be something physical so it's not the mental game that's yeah. getting them. Because right now, everyone thinks it's a mental game. And if this is legit, this uh, shoulder issue, then all I right, then I won't think it's mental. Right now, I have a hard I, time I thinking it's not mental I don't. Him. I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive. He very well, he very, very well may have TOS. Like, that's – and I, especially the motorcycle crash sounds likely. And, like, with how it's playing, it makes sense. Um, but – like, do you see how he shoots free throws where he tosses it back between his hands and just sort of throws that's it just, That's there? just like, eh. You can't tell me that it's not that you... It's like, oh, I have TOS, so I do that. It's like, no, you're in your head. Like, yeah, it's... You, you gotta... I don't know how to tell him that, but, like, you yeah. just gotta power and, through it. It's and, and, frankly, you know what I think needs to happen for him? I think he needs to get traded to a god-awful team. And a team where, like, whether he sucks or not, it doesn't matter. The problem is he's on a championship contender. And they keep on talking about him being a big part of the future of this team. Whereas, like, put him on the Falcons. Or, not the Falcons. The Hawks. Put him, put him on a team where there's put no him on the expectation. Because right now there's expectation of he's number one draft pick on a championship caliber team that they believe he's got to perform he's, or else he's going to be labeled a bust and all. If he's on a team with no yeah. pressure, then maybe he can, like, but I think you're pulling, you guys are still pulling your punches. He needs to drop down to the G League. Yeah. He needs to go to a no-presser situation, needs to develop himself back from his college days to where he wants to be in the NBA. If he kills it in the NBA, or if he kills it in the G League, great. Do that, then you'll figure out, okay, I can really do this. Build some confidence, get back in the NBA. But let's see, he goes to G League, and he still sucks. Be like, alright, maybe I just need to keep developing, and you can work it from there, but more pressure on the situation or a different team or something like that, I don't think that's going to help him figure out what he needs to do or get out of his own head, you know, or his shoulder for that matter. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. It says he's out three to six weeks. Um, We'll we'll see how he comes back, you know. Maybe it's just the process. (laughs) Honestly. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time their number one draft pick sat out. Maybe, a lot. <laughs> maybe if you keep on drafting injured injured players, you just count yourself lucky that this is the only one that turned out poorly. And he did have he is the youngest player to score or to have a triple double. Yeah. Last yeah. year, last game of the season, <laughs> pulled out a triple double. Yeah. No, so he's, he's got flat, the ability. Yeah, no one he's talented. 
Like, if you look at his college highlights, or if you look at every once in a while, he just plays great. And maybe he's going through this pain, maybe it's from the motorcycle accident, or maybe he's just lost in his head, but there's something's wrong. And, yeah. All right. Um, mo- moving on to our next thing. Uh, we now have our second coach firing of the season. Um, the Chicago Bulls have let Fred Hoiberg go. Um, when I first saw this, I was intrigued because I thought, well, the um, Bulls are tanking right now, but which means you're supposed to lose. But then they fired their coach for losing. Yeah. So maybe that wasn't the plan. I, I, th- I think the timing is weird too with it with them starting to get players back from injury. Yeah. Marketing and Portis are both coming back. Chris Dunn is coming back from an injury. So it, it is a little weird timing now that arguably possibly your best player with well, so, Levine with marketing coming back. Yeah, and Parker was supposed to be a huge addition. That and he's been him like he would be. And he's been if he's got. Awful um, defense. But so to just to to anyone who says that the Bulls aren't tanking and they're really just this bad, the stat I'm gonna throw out is guess guess which two players had the most playing time last year? Of the bull on the Bulls? On the Bulls. Um Markinen and is he even there anymore? Yeah, they're both they're both still there. Both still there. Um who's their uh who's their center? Uh Robin Lopez. Lopez. Justin Holiday, okay, and Denzel Valentine, both fine. Valentine, okay, yeah, both fine role players. But like when when you have a fairly talent, when you see a rotation like that, that to me just indicates that someone in the front office says, "Hey, let's get let's get these uh, let's like get some reps for these young players. Let's make them better, but let's lose some games." Which is fine. That's a completely legitimate strategy. I personally hope that my team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, are doing that. Um, but. So, he last year they were tanking. They weren't tanking, however, his first two years. They just had some poorly built teams. Um, yeah, they, they had the year where it was like, oh, we're going to go all veterans with Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler and Robin Lopez Rondo. and Rondo, and that fell apart. So, uh, <laughs> just they, they realized real quick, like, oh, yeah, these people are shit, old. Shit, we're old. So, <laughs> so with, the, um, with the changing of basketball, and I said this about the Spurs earlier. It's threes or die. Like, you really... No team who is in the bottom half of three-point uh, shots taken per game does well. Look at what the, look at what the Bucks did. They added so many more threes in their offense and it turned them around completely. It's not the only thing they did. Um, in his first two years, um, he ranked 24th in three-point frequency and 29th in three-point frequency. On a team with good shooters. Yeah. Like, that's just... And it, it, he was coming from college. He hadn't adjusted his game. And to be fair, last year they were 11th in three-point frequency, and now they're 19th. So, like, that's better. That's still not great. Um, now, offensive rating. Um, like, they start out with a poor offense. His first two years, they're 23rd and 21st yeah, in offense. In Minnesota? Or? No, this is no, this is for Hoiberg and oh, Chicago. Oh, Hoiberg. Sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but then his third and fourth year, they're 28th and 29th in offensive rating. Um, now you'd think with a bad offense you got to have a good defense, right? And you hope. in the beginning they're right. It was fifteenth his first year, but then that year with Wade and Rondo, that experiment year, they're the fifth best offense or fifth best defense in the league by defensive rating. Um, and then last year when they were tanking, they're twenty eighth. And this year, if they fired, it means they had to be trying, which means this is now the Bulls trying, and they're twenty third, 29th in offensive rating, twenty third in uh, defensive rating, and 
Um, the absolute worst part, and I, I think this is largely the fault of a couple players, and I'm going to call out Jabari Parker because he's the worst offender. So his first two years, as far as transition defense ranks, this is on a team with Dwayne Wade, uh, Rajon Rondo, Jimmy Butler, all hustle guys. They started out third, then they went to 11th in his first two years. That's pretty good. Last year, they were 30th in defensive transition or transition defense, and now they're 27th. So they are just bottom of the league, and so that's just effort. Like it's a little bit coaching, but it's just effort. Their margin of victory, I think, has to do with a lot with a lot with that firing as well. Like they're they were planning on losing. I think they still might be, but they're losing badly. Yeah. Like their margin of, of uh, losses, they would lose by a lot. Say, there's only two teams in the league who have a worse point differential than them. That's the Suns and the Hawks. That's oh. not good to be compared with those two people and, and two, or two teams. Uh, another coaching decision that I uh, have seen that I think is really interesting, um, uh, Zach Levine and Jabari Parker, who are two of their big bulk scorers, Zach Levine shoots 18% of his shots from the mid-range, and Jabari Parker shoots 19% of his shots from the mid-range. That is the 72nd percentile for uh, Levine and the 94th for Parker, which is interesting because Levine's actually a decent three-point shooter, as is Parker. But it's just a lack of discipline in the offense and being forced into bad shots. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so uh, we're talking about how good of a shooter uh, Levine is because, um, you know, aside from these 18%, he's shooting like, what, 30-something percent from three and 47% overall because he gets to the rim. But on mid-range shots, he shoots 33%, which shooting 33% on two-point shots is not good. Oh, God, no, it's not. That If you shoot 33% on two-point shots, that means you're getting 66 points per 100 possessions. That's bad. Yeah. Um. Jabari Parker is a little bit better, but on mid-range shots, which he shoots at 19% in the 94th percentile, he shoots 36%. Yeah, 36. He's doing... So he's... So 72 points on 100 possessions. And that's with no turnovers. A good NBA offense should score 100 points per 100 possessions. Yeah, or else you're doing something wrong. Yeah, and so for, like... At first, I was like, oh, wow, he got fired for losing, but... When you look at the way he was losing, it really doesn't set up for a good future. And also, he's developing a lot of young talent. And like, if you're teaching Levine that this is how you play basketball, you are going to hurt that player. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's yeah negative uh, habits. It's going to yeah. last for a while. You know? So that, that, that's my spiel on Fred Hoiberg. Um, good riddance. Uh, you're, you were a great college coach. I hope you go back to college. I think you have a lot to offer there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure there's a spot for you in the NBA. And if the Cavaliers hire him, I'll be upset. <laughs> oh God, that would be terrible. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that brings us to worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got three. Um, but I'm pretty sure Mason's gonna take one, so I'll save the one that I'm pretty sure Mason's gonna take for last. Um, who do you think is the um most effective player for the Pistons? The Pistons, the most effective player. Mm-hmm. Reggie Miller. The Reggie Jackson? Jackson, thank you. Uh, he's actually the player I'm calling out for not being effective. Ah! Okay, I was trying to get... The person I would really think is effective is probably Andre Drummond. Yeah, it is Ish Smith. Hey! The combination of Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Reggie Jackson uh, is plus 2.1 points per 100 possessions against opponents. Good. The combination of Blake Griffin um, and... Uh, Andre Drummond and Ish Smith is plus 15.4 points for 100 <laughs> possessions. That's cool. Yeah, no, fuck yeah. Uh, step it up, Reggie. Right? What are you doing? Ish Smith's better than you, significantly. He's been on the most teams ever. 
<laughs> the most. I swear, I can't even keep track how many he's been on. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, what's your worth mentioning? I don't got one right now. Mine's a uh, little Russell Westbrook action. You know, he's my favorite. So congrats. To Wait, him he's on. your favorite? Oh yeah. By the way, damn, uh, I'm getting that. breaking third now, all time triple doubles <coughs> yeah. list. So Jason Kidd. Uh, passing Jason Kidd, so he's still behind Magic Johnson and the Big O. Big o. Um, he'll get it. Maybe. I mean, I mean bar Perhaps. injury. He's got. He's it. got. I think he's sixty behind. I think he's around one thirty, and Big O is at one ninety. Yeah. Uh, he's at one hundred seven triple doubles. Um, Russ is. I was one hundred three or one hundred eight. No. Okay. Okay. Regardless, he's uh, getting there. Worth mentioning. Still, still, Mister Triple Double. Um. All right. Who is the best guard on the Wizards? The best guard on the Wizards? Or best is point it, guard. Is best it point Austin point Rivers? Okay. Uh, better not be Austin Rivers. God, please. Is it Tomas Sadoransky? Maybe. John Wall? <laughs> it's not John Wall. In the, in the last two years, John Wall has a plus point seven points per 100 possession. Um, Tomas Sadoransky has plus 2.3. He's significantly better. Okay, that's a little cherry pick stack because he's only in there for a little bit and he's doing well when he is but, in there. But this is scaled per points per 100 possessions. So, like, the amount of minutes you play doesn't matter because it's scaled per 100 possessions. Yeah, no, okay, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The minutes that he's in, they're a very low stress situation. No, no, no one thinks John Wall's actually uh, worse than Sadoransky, but, like,. You know, it's neat. It's worth mentioning. All right. All right. That's fair. That's all fair. Right. Uh, let me think here and see if there's anything else worth mentioning. Uh, I, I, got, I got one worth mentioning. It's a clusterfuck in the West. Oh, yeah. Nuggets are the top. Six and a half games back. Second last in the conference, Spurs. Six it's going to be this, 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 is, this is a quarter of the way I'm in. I'm so excited for the West. <laughs> yes. it, I, I think the, the race to get to the playoffs in the West is going to be great. I think the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be great. I think the finals will be boring as shit. But <laughs> LeBron leading going up, to the West made one up, of the best things Leading up, the this, this is going to be it's going to be fun, fun, uh, fun spring for sure. Oh, yeah. Everybody was always just... Really pissed off and like, oh man, the West is going to destroy the East. It's going to be bullshit, whatever. But now it's more like, who's going to make it out of the West? Yeah, yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's instead really. Of, it, I think instead of having the two games, the one game Nuggets Timberwolves, so you get that last spot. That entire last week is going to be must wins oh, for yes. fourteen of these. Teams. I also think that there are plenty of title contenders in the uh, East. I think the finals are going to be closer this year than they have been the last several years. Okay, because uh, let's be honest, the teams are better. Yeah. The reason why it's been boring is just because it's been LeBron versus yeah. the Warriors. The teams themselves LeBron are better. Versus. Right, LeBron <laughs> versus the world. Ohio, Ohio versus the world, right? Yeah. All right. Well, that's good worth mentioning. So. Um, I got one more worth mentioning. I'm surprised you didn't take it. Paul George hit the, his first clutch oh, shot in his no, career. I knew I was gonna Paul George is now one for fifteen on go-ahead buckets with less than 10, uh, 10 seconds left. That was gonna be. I forgot about. Yep. That. Damn it. He got yeah. it there eventually. Yeah. He got it. Hey man. To be now fun. that Gatorade commercial where he call, where he calls ball game. That's a real commercial. I, I, I remember when that first came out. I was like, bullshit. Yeah. You have never done that. Not even once. You cannot make that commercial. <laughs> like Gatorade's gotta be like. Sorry, man. Like this isn't this isn't real. He, he, he came at a bargain. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. All right, yeah. Final segment of the night is our player v player. Um, and so we are gonna p- compare two players. Um, who are both 
very scrappy point guards in Gary Payton, who's a Hall of Famer, and Jamal Crawford, who I hope's a future Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, I think he, I think he will be. He's yeah. he's won six Man of the Year many many times. Um, he's a very good uh, come off the bench point guard who that's just his role, you know. Like maybe you had some aspirations for him to be more, but. You, you got to have someone come off the bench. Yeah. I, I prefer Je, um, Jamal over a lot of players um, who are in the league today. Yeah. You know? he's he. The one thing I will say about Jamal is he's a very efficient player. He shoots the three very well, but he, he his points suffer because um, he's looking um, – He's, his points suffered because he seems to like be looking for a shot and not forcing them when they aren't there. He, as a career, has an effective field goal rating of uh, 47.8%. So that and his three point percentage for a career is 30, uh, 34.9, basically 35. Yeah, I think that's like that's definitely very good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, he's he um he who he's going up against Gary Payton. Yep. Who now? Let's talk about Gary Payton. Who uh, cards on the table? I'm taking Gary Payton in this matchup. Same. Um, Gary Payton averaged more points. Gary Payton was a starter. Gary Payton has uh, significantly more steals, same number of blocks. Gary Payton turns the ball over just slightly more, but not really not that much. Gary Payton shoot, uh, has an effective field goal rating of 49.6, which is better. Uh, his career three-point percentage is 31.7. Uh, so not great, but in the area that he was in, that and, makes sense. And also, he was never really a three-point shooter. He, um, As a career, let me see what his three-point as a career, he uh, attempted 2.7 three-pointers a game. That's really not very much. All right, so how many years has... Um, so Gary Payton's played thir- 1,300 games, and Jamal Crawford's just under, or just about to hit 1,300. He's at yeah. 12,084. Com- comparable, career, comparable career legs. Um, and Gary, I... Well, this should be this shouldn't matter because it's not in their control. But Gary Payton played for one franchise and one franchise only, and he was the face of it. Whereas Jamal Crawford's a journeyman, which means mm-hmm. if your team's not willing to get behind you, it's not like it's not like he left in free. He's left in free agency a couple times, but he gets traded and he doesn't get the extensions he wants. All right, anybody yeah. want to guess how many teams he's played for? Six. He's played for what do you think, eight. Nathan? Like uh, eight. Yeah. All right, Chicago Bulls. One. New York Knicks, two, Golden State Warriors, three, Atlanta Hawks, four, Portland Trailblazers, five, Los Angeles Clippers, six, Timberwolves, seven, Suns, eight. Nailed it. Hey, good pick. Good pick, man. Wow. Eight teams. I, I honestly, and he's done pretty good. To, to, still career average fourteen point eight points, two point two rebounds, and three point four assists. I honestly, yeah. I might lean towards Jamal Crawford. Ta- uh, I might lean towards Jamal. For the reason that he's had to change teams so many times. I'm not going to say had to. I said had to. He's changed teams so many times. So he's had to fit into a different role. He's had to fit into a new people around him. So it's been more of a, it's not a steady. Whereas Gary Payton was in the, that one team. He knew what he was getting into. He had the people who came to him. Um, I'd still probably give it to Gary, but I think it's way closer. Jamal, no, I, I think Jamal's very good. Um I, th- I think I do give it to Gary, but I I think Jamal Crawford's one of the more underrated players in NBA history, and I really hope he's a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, he he I think deserves it. Um, steal, yeah, yeah. Just looking at his stats right now, checking out his steals because I know Gary the Glove Payton 
Average one point eight steals. He's aver- he's basically doubling him up on that. So that's yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we're all going with Gary. Oh shit, no, Gary Payton was not always on the same team. How did I fucking not call you on that? He won a championship with the Heat. Oh, that's right. And Andy's 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 got a ship. Give it to Gary. He's in the Boston too for a little bit. Yeah, you're right. He left Seattle. Yeah, you're right. I forgot he. I forgot that he was part of that Lakers. He's in Milwaukee too. Yeah. All right. Well then, ha! Your argument goes out the door because he had to adjust to those teams. And he did terribly. Yeah. All right. He was also old. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Okay. Well, I guess that'll do it for us. I'll, I'll end on a high note. All right, we'll see you guys next week.